The crash site would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we create, the Yuggera and Turrbal peoples. We also pay our respects to elders, past, present and emerging. Sovereignty was never ceded. Always was and always will be Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people's land. since you've taken us on our first date. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. A bit of a flashback there for our OG fans. Today, our topic <laughs> of conversation is moonshots. <laughs> moon We're going to edit it. Yeah. So here's my moonshot question. Wait, did you say look good? No, it's going to be good. It <laughs> could look, look good, good. though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you're, if, you, if you're watching the video right now, it's going to look you're good. You're not. <laughs> you're not because our, we have, our SD card broke. So I'm sorry. Yeah. In what context are we talking about moonshots? Are we just opening it up to start with? Or are we gonna... Oh, no. I was going to ask a question before I was rudely interrupted. Um... <laughs> I didn't interrupt you, did I? No, you did. You did. <laughs> so that's one point on the board. Check. On the bill. <laughs> That's one point off the yeah, bill. Yeah, one point off the bill. I'll one point that. added to the bill. Oh. The bill goes up. Um, it's a special type of check. Um, Moonshots, as in, we're talking about Web3. I want to know, where do you think that technology could take the arts and culture industry? Like, mm. what do we think is, like, like an absolute dream scenario? How could it change? To the moon. <laughs> could take us to the moon. Take us to the moon. Yeah. Sky is the potential. I mean, the, the, <laughs> what? you said that so confidently, like it was a real thing, and it does not have the same ring to it. So, sky's the I potential. think I meant to say the sky's limit, and then limitless potential. Ah. Mm. Uh, yeah. Oh. Two great phrases. That are well intertwined, in that new phrase. Mm. Mm. So moonshots. Moonshots. Time. I'm thinking. Okay. I'm really thinking about it. Can I throw one out there? Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Here's my idea: is a you set up a tokenized community for the arts and culture industry. So every transaction that is around arts and culture, so whether it's like buying a ticket to a show, going to the movies, uh, going to a, like an arts event, going to something like that, is there is a particular token that you spend, and the government gives people a certain number of tokens every year. So it's actually encouraging more people to engage with arts and culture. And then there's an ability for, depending on how, uh, I guess, expansive and the development of an arts and culture industry, the value of that token can go up. So there's actually an ability to have it a bit competitive between different different communities and different sort of states or major cities, mm. is that your the more your creative industries develop the higher the worth of your creative token mm. and so there's an incentive for both governments audiences and artists to push the creative community forward because everybody benefits mm. in moving the tokens value up because then everyone shares are worth more so this idea of creating a tokenized community where we can also track 
you know, what shows you go to, who's contributing the most. And so there's an ability to develop tiers and reward systems amongst that. So we're actually incentivizing the entire community from all perspectives to push the arts and culture industry forward and invest more in it. Mm. I feel like it could also, like, in that realm, get, like, make access easier. Because if you're involved in a community through going to these shows whether that's through a token you know that's given by the government or whether you buy it, you purchase it yourself once you've gained access into that community i feel like there's a more potential to be recognized to be able to have input into it into the community as well whether that's artistically or in terms of the vision or voting on what show gets put up next or you know things like that i feel like there's a lot more proof to recognition Mm. input yeah yeah as soon as you say that too it's it's like this i i think there's a lot of talk at the moment about DAOs. Mm. so if anyone hasn't heard about what a DAO is it's a decentralized autonomous organization it's a new one could say it's sort of web 3's take on, on an organizational structure or a company structure where rather than there being a strict hierarchy there is more of a decentralized approach where everyone has votes now, we're probably moving towards, at least from my perspective, there's a necessity for there to be some kind of organizational structure in there so that someone can actually guide the DAO's, um, what, what the DAO wants to action. So you need to actually have people who are an actioning team. Um, and I think we're trying to figure out that balance. But fundamentally, what it means is the community could actually get votes and have a say and have partial ownership in their arts and culture community. So as you're collecting these tokens, you're gaining more votes and you get a larger say on where it goes. But then there might be, say, a board that then takes those votes into account and makes strategic decisions based off Mm. that. And they could be elected into those positions Mm. um, and maybe hold them for a certain period of time. So it's a new governance structure. Like what if an entire arts and culture um, system had a governance structure? And had an ability for everyone to have a say and a vote in it, where government funding gets distributed, where private funding gets distributed, you know, and like companies could actually invest in it, mm. you know, invest in these tokens, put more tokens in, gift them to the DAO, and the DAO could distribute them to fund projects. Interestingly, too, I remember doing some research earlier in the year, and there are some government bodies, whether it's local or international i can't remember exactly but they were recognizing daos or daos as a governance structure and putting support into building an ecosystem within that locale of startups and and giving them support to to sort of develop on the ideas and establish in this sort of early stage of adoption of this new governance structure whether we want to call it that or not and Mm -hmm. the australian government was also recognizing it and publishing that they looking at it and and acknowledging that it's being recognized internationally and they see potential in it as well so it's interesting to see that movement as well from big players yeah Mm. i'd be interested to know what the entry pathways would be for obtaining those tokens as well because then once you're starting to talk about a governance structure within a creative community then how do we not end up with the same imbalances that we see in traditional governance structures, you know? Mm. How are these tokens going to be distributed? Is it, like, pay to collect? Or, uh, like, some of them, like we were talking about earlier this morning, do they just come from, like, showing up to things as well, you know? Like, so then if people don't have time to be active within the community, 
but want to be a part of it, does that then make their vote worthless? Or like, you know, like just mm. talking about the ideas and stuff. Like it's... I think, I think it's a really good point. I think maybe one avenue, like initially my gut instinct is, is you could build reward systems in. And what mm. reward systems would do would reward people for certain behaviours within the community. Mm. So if you are helping produce projects, maybe you have stakes in certain projects and the, the you know, so you get a percentage of the tokens generated, right? So you're being rewarded in tokens for contributing to the industry. If you're an actor, you get a certain amount. So not only are you getting paid for the work you do, but you're getting tokens that represent the impact you're having, right? So the more you give, the more you get. Mm. would be some kind of system there could then but there could what you could actually do is set it up so there's different profiles one could have one could be an investor one could be an audience member one could be a producer one could be a creative or you mm. know however you want to break it all down mm. but so there are different you know different ways that tokens are distributed based on that or different ways that you relate to your tokens because it's it would be unfair say for an investor come in and just buy up a heap of tokens and their votes then go up in the community that you'd need to have systems in place to stop a DAO or a community organization, a community sort of um, decentralized organization sort of managing that. What you'd need to do is build in classifications of limiting people's ability to to take all the votes and say, control the arts industry for their own gain. Yeah. But what you could do is create these additional incentives that they can hold them so there may be a monetary investment into it so they can they can gain those rewards, but they can't take over the community. Right, so there's like limits to to how much of a vote you or, or a say you can have, or based on your classification, there are certain strategic rewards that you can pursue up mm. to a certain level. Yeah, you know, like as an investor, you can't go out and dictate all the different shows that that happen. But as a producer, maybe you have more flexibility in choosing what goes on at the main stage. You know, you actually have a very specific vote on what the final main stage show of the year is at the local theater company. Mm. You know, and so the organizations, there's all these mini organizations and production companies, production entities that exist within this broader ecosystem, and they have their own voting rewards based on their loyal followers. Mm. Does that make sense? So like you can also contribute in the whole ecosystem on a macro level, but also the micro level is you could be a very loyal consumer at, say, Queensland Theatre, and therefore you have a vote in their governance structure and what happens with their shows moving forward. Yeah, crazy. And then as people who work, like, as people who work as a part of the production element to, like, a lot of these shows and a lot of these event spaces and stuff, like, doesn't the idea kind of feel a little bit scary? That, like, imagine if you got a position as, like, a programmer somewhere, but it suddenly the decisions are kind of taken out of your hand a little bit or do you feel like it's more like reinvigorating to be like oh all of those surveys that i send out by email are actually being answered well i think that's part of it is why and this is why i think there needs to be sort of it's a bit of like a test the waters situation right in the sense of i think you actually do need some kind of point where the community is heard but then someone actions it and makes decisions because the last thing you want is something like with what happened with GameStop, right? Where all these like people on Reddit and in these investor forums, um, Wall Street bets sort of came in and were like, let's just like pump this stock, yeah. right? Pump it up and that, you know, like GameStop, which like didn't have any place for it. They pumped it up and then they all made a heap of money, right? 
and then and then it, they sort of dumped it and it all all shifted you don't want something like that to happen with decisions right mm. where people can like gain gain leverage and then push a decision there needs to be sort of a committee who makes that final decision mm. and so there should be the right of every individual production entity to make the final say but the community is always heard and there's mm. a system for the community to be heard and then they have to be they have to explain why they follow the community or why they don't follow the community or why they adjust the community's opinion in a certain way. So there is more transparency on why decisions are being made and there is an incentive for all of these organisations to listen to their community but also be very transparent in their conversations with their community. You know, if the community's like, hey, we want to put on this show where they're like, look, we understand you want to put on the show but the, the rights to attain it, make it, you know, mean that we can't actually put on as good of a quality show or, mm. or it's actually a show that doesn't fit with a longer term vision or it's conflicting with other work that's happening. Right. But then the audience and the community is more engaged in the decisions still, even if that their decisions aren't the ones that are being made, they're contributing to the conversation and they're forcing the companies to have a conversation with their community. And I think that's what's important. Because mm. there is stake in it. Yeah, exactly. they're getting actual votes, yeah. which is embedded in the technology behind the system and the tokens, right? Yeah. Exactly. But And also the fact that they're getting these votes because they're being active parts of those communities, not because mm. they're walking in with large wallets. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's filtering out the people who aren't engaged in it, so then it attracts the people that are really interested in what this thing is. Yeah. Mm. yeah. It's incentive. Like, here's the other thing I think that the arts industry has struggled to do for so long still struggles to do is what's the incentive you have to think about this like you need there has to be a reason why people come and see your show or come and see your event you know come to your event right mm. they're paying hard-earned money more than that they're spending their hard-earned time mm. right when someone gets the end of the week they have a limited amount of time that they can give to events and going to see things and going out right so it's also about the time that they spend with you and they invest in coming to see something so there's always that question of like why this show why now why this event right so what are you actually giving to these people, right? But what if there is a way to incentivize them to actually go out and see more, to talk about it? You know, they can be rewarded for writing reviews, mm. you know, on a central, or on, on some kind of like central platform in, within the community, right? Where everyone's reviews and feedback is being shared. You all of a sudden have a new social system. You have a new way of like encouraging people to come to certain new emerging events. You have a, you know, like you have new ways for, people to connect and go see things together mm. because you're all being rewarded. Mm. And also with the idea of like airdrops. Yeah. If you're involved in the community, I'm sure that there'll be a similar version of airdrops where it's events or community, or I don't I want to say like live event, things that just uh, you've gained access to through mm. being involved. There's no monetary commitment at that stage, but you've shown that you are active enough or engaged in the community to whatever capacity, whether yeah. it's process-oriented or investment-oriented. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the interesting thing too, right? Part of this is access. So what if there are events that you need to have contributed a certain amount Mm. To, to be a part of and, and that contribution doesn't have to be financial it can be you've actually written enough about you know what's been happening you've re referred enough people to other events you've you've seen you know you, you've had to have seen six other productions in order to come to the vip event you know because then it's incentivizing people to do things there's rewards built into being a good patron of the arts Mm. that's awesome that changes things mm. that gives people these tangible rewards for being a good a good patron of the arts for investing in this community mm. and like the other thing just to sort of like 
tangentialize that. Great word, isn't it? We've <laughs> talked about it so many times. It's like your catchphrase. Um, just yeah. the tangent. The Crash Creative Podcast. Tangentialize. <laughs> um, is this idea of POWOPs. So POWOPs are proof of attendance protocols. And so fundamentally what it is, it's something similar to like a collectible, like an NFT, um, but it operates more like a ticket stub. So it's a proof of going to an event or listening to a podcast when it first came out or, you know, like collecting a token when you go to something, a certain thing. Mm. So there's the ability for those tokens not only to maybe appreciate and value if a, if a certain event is significant, you know, just like collect, you know, if you had a ticket stub or like the original shirt from sort of like Nirvana's first gig or something, you know, like something like that, right? There's value to that. It's huge in the music industry. Yeah. The amount of people that just go, yeah, yeah, I saw them back in 2000 and this. And yeah. I'm one of those people yeah. too. You know? But it's like, but what if you had a digital token that you could then go, no, like, come have a look. You know, here's my wall of all of the different events that I've been to. And yeah. here's my proof of attendance. And look I how can, cool the coin looked yeah. back then and look how different it is. Yep. Yeah. And so you can program really cool things in that give people additional access. That's how you get into these VIP events is you need to show your proof of access tokens from all these other ones. These proof of attendance, sorry. Tokens. <laughs> proof of access, proof of attendance. So many different proofs. But like that I think is so interesting too. It's like that dynamic of having POWOPs integrated mm. into what you do is so cool. Mm. it's also like in the same way remember Pokemon Go and everyone's like jumping around to try and collect things what if it's like rather than collecting these like you know fake virtual augmented reality Pokemon that really don't have any real world application mm. you actually go in and you collect experiences that you can then look back and you can go with your kids look at all the events I went to and so what if after the co-op if you collect the POWOP at the beginning and then a couple of weeks later you go back and you realize that they've uploaded all the photos and video from the event to the POWOP. So everyone that's there can then reminisce and you can click your POWOP and it gives you access to the, the drive folder with all of the, the documentation of the event mm. for the rest of the rest of your life. So you're capturing memories. That's in a, a lot of storage. It's a lot of storage, right? But storage, storage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> using clouds. Yeah, yeah, so exactly. It's, look how many clouds are in the sky. Yeah. <laughs> Many a cloud. Mm. Well, that's an interesting idea. It's a big idea. Yeah. It's a moonshot. That's a moonshot. What other moonshots we got? For Web3. For the arts industry. For the future. (laughs) The future. For the bata. For the bata of the future. Introducing future butter. It's butter, but it's for the future. Get your future butter at your local future retailer now. That's futurebutter.com.butter. Future. Let's, let's get real, real. The best butter, the perfect butter. What's your moonshot for butter? <laughs> <I'll>... <laughs> I don't know, something that I don't have to use a knife. Salted caramel butter that comes in a stick. Salted caramel butter in a stick. For pancakes. For pancakes, interesting. Mm. See, I'd go like like a like an in, infused maple butter mm. that's like okay, why don't we have squeezable <laughs> butter? Like it's you know, like a toothpaste. Is that an American tube. thing? I don't know, maybe it is. But it's that thing it's that thing oh, of it being able to be spread. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mm. want the quality of like good quality hard stick butter, <laughs> but spreadable. Mm. And here's like the, whipped butter. Yeah, like whipped butter but whipped butter has a different texture oh, that I don't like. Butter's phenomenal. I only discovered <laughs> whipped butter about three months ago. Wait, it's how? At yeah. a restaurant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah, on yeah. the plate, and I was like, this yeah. is cool. Yeah. It is, yeah, whipped butter is good, but then I think there's this, there's a textural thing, right? It's a, it's a it's different airy. texture. Yeah. What if you could infuse your own butter? 
So you had a little kit where you I bring... I think you, you bu- can. Yeah, but what if... <laughs> yeah, but... Okay, <laughs> yeah, what if it was easy? Like, what if it was like something you had in you, you buy a certain block and you put it through the thing? <laughs> Probably already. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I'm thinking of more of like you know, like a meat machine where you put the meat in and you grind it. Oh you put, yeah. You put the butter in. You put your herbs. You put your spices. Grind her out. Yeah. Here she is. Yeah. Butter for days. And it comes out in a little package. I yeah. do make my own butter, cabbage butter, oh. like, and put a bunch of herbs in in it and stuff because mm. you need it for Ethiopian. Mm. I'm sure you've made your own butter too. I mean, I haven't made it from the, scratch. From no, dairy. no, I just buy ghee and yeah, then yeah. I start and then I just like herb it, like I infuse mm. it. Yeah. But you've got to slow cook it and then re-solidify yeah, it. And yeah. Mm. Because you want to activate the spices. Mm, the spices. Yeah, you can do a really good like herby butter for like garlic bread. Mm. Yeah, mm. yeah. And you, and you, the beauty of it is you can shape when it's cool. Yeah. you can put what shape you want. So if you want little round butter bits, you put it around a little thing. And mm. anyway, that's the sound butter makes. Yeah, yeah. My <laughs> pop was did a lot of work in primary industries in Queensland mm. and helped bring over this contraption. I forget what it's called. That makes um cheese like a lot easier to the, of a process oh really yeah he like some kind of like heavy machinery for the factory or something Whoop. i'll get hang on he's gonna oh, he's getting he's getting this construction. zane's fetching the heavy machinery he's venturing down the stairs into our cheese factory that we have built under our house mm. he is gathering factory schmactory oh, sorry, butter. butter butter for your bread morris lake Whoa. Whoa. It's literally a book. It's Zane a has book. walked up the stairs and he's got a book called Butter for Your Bread by Morris Lake. This is crazy. Wait, this is crazy. My pop's had a lot of interesting jobs in his lifetime. Oh. And his current endeavour is in uh, Australian forest and rainforest woods. He's written two books. That's so cool. On Australia. So to help identify timbers, native timbers, so that when people and governments... Uh, lobbying for deforestation they can go and identify a tree so you can't chop this down mm. yeah that's awesome or people that have already done it you can identify it and go you're in big trouble mate <laughs> yeah. take them to court anyway it's so interesting um i want to find a picture of the machine <laughs> we're looking for the butter machine the history of queensland's early dairy farmers this is so interesting this is interesting farm production of butter and cheese Early commercial producers, butter and cheese, the dawn of cooperative movement. Yeah. Anyway, tangential. Tangential. That's oh, one of that's the things. That's the machine. Whoa. It, I'm going to be honest. Wooden cheese press. <laughs> it looks like a torture device. <laughs> it looks like a medieval torture device that you tie someone to. But it's so, cool. So you, it squeezes the cheese up against top beam, expelling the whey. Oh. Ah. Wait. Well, maybe oh. that's just one example. I don't know. I haven't read it yet. Yeah, so. okay. Early. Oh, this was early methods of butter manufacturing. Right. Yeah, hang on. Anyway. That is so cool. That is, that is awesome. I, For all of our ASMR yeah. listeners. Yeah, yeah we're <laughs> flipping pages. This is going to be an enjoyable episode. Oxley. Oh, yeah. Central oh, yeah. Dairy Company's Oxley Factory. He also tells me this crazy thing about he was involved in the early adoption of like splicing genomes for, for, for cows and cattle. Whoa. Yeah. 
What for? Reproduction. Right. Or something. Isn't that crazy? We're just like, oh yeah, I'll just splice that genome. Should be right. Why know? not? Why not give it a bit of a splice? Take ha- your genes home. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> take those genes and walk them right home. Splice your genome. genome and take your genes home. <laughs> <laughs> .com.au <laughs> I, I, I want to tangentialise again just yeah, while we're Yeah, let's tangentialise. We're on this. Seeing you bring that book up and, and tell us sort of the story of your pops yeah. having a book, wouldn't it be awesome if there was a company that worked with people as they reached the end of their life to that everyone had a book? Everyone the, had a book. Yeah. Can you imagine wow. if everyone had a book? That would right? actually be so cool. And so that then when you look at your family history, you can go back and even if it was just, you know, like... That it's like as people are reaching the end of their life, obviously you know, like they they can look at it and they can go, all right, I'm going to make my book and this is the structure I want it to be and I want it to be, I want to have illustrations or photos or just text. Mm. But everyone in your family then has a book, so as you raise your kids and wow. stuff, you can share the books of your family's history. But it's more than just like a name and a photo; it's actually a representation of who they were. That would be imagine- really cool. Mm. Yeah, like family home has a bookshelf and and you can read about yeah your ancestors yeah. It's like the books of who they were. Mm. It's like it's like but a true, as people, yeah. right? And yeah. it's like a reflection of them. It's not yeah. through the piecing together of legal documents and stuff. Yeah. And like yeah, moments in history that have been documented. But I mean, in a way, is social media kind of doing that for us? Because we haven't reached the point where. You know, we've got these generations who have grown up with social media documenting their entire lives being mm. like going out of the world yet, you know? But, but see, I think I, I think in a, in a way you could say, yeah, I guess it does that, but it's not interesting. It's not curated and it's not, there's no ownership over it. Who owns all of that? Facebook, mm. like Google, they yeah. own all of that data. They own all of whatever's posted there. Yeah. Whereas here's an idea of like someone gets one last creative project. Or for some people, it could be their first creative project. But it's a way of them going, this is who I was. Mm. You know, and passing that on and sharing that. Like, And I think also now there's more of an interest in our histories. Uh, as we start to grow up, we start to, we're, at a, we're at a unique point in human history where so much is happening in our world that we're almost looking back to the past to understand what's happening now oh, and what could happen in the future. Mm. And so this idea of like being able to go back and go, what did my granddad do? What was his life like? Like mm. I look back at my grandma who passed and I go, you know, and she was a, a, one of the first female sugar chemists working in sugar mills. She worked in sugar mills her entire life. Mm. And... I, as a kid, you know, I, I'd go around to sugar mills and stuff. I didn't mean, you know, like I was like, oh, whatever. Omar just works at the sugar mills. <laughs> but now it's like, wow, what was her story like of, you know, of growing up there? Mm. She had all of these stories of, you know, being a pretty, you know, like fierce woman in a male dominated, dominated industry, you know, working on heavy machinery and like, mm. you know, like, and, and it's just those stories are now lost. Mm. I, I don't have access to them it's like what I would do to be able to go back and also remember her mm. by through her own voice her own unique voice mm. and then you could have a library so mm. as you you print a couple of copies for your family and, and friends maybe but then you could have a library where other people could go in and find people of interest they don't have to be famous people celebrities but they can just look through this library of, of real human history and take out a book and yeah. then get it shipped to them well, you know what's interesting as well is because if you look back at those points of history where there was a lot of conflict and how there was the first thing they would do to to really assert control was to burn the, the books. books. Yeah. 
imagine how many you know these are probably ideas and things that pe- people might have had initiatives to work on in the past yeah yeah but but with they're just lost so i i wonder but, but even in the digital world it can still be lost yeah but i wonder if there's yeah but see, even even to like simplify it even more, like I think there's something really value about like a handheld book, like something you can pick yeah. up physically, a physical book, not a handheld book. <laughs> um, I like it. Works, it works. It works. Um, now selling handheld books, <laughs> twenty cents cheaper than physical yeah. books. You don't need to use your feet; you just put it in your hand. Um, but uh, but I think there's there's value to of having these digital ones where you could make it publicly accessible, and that could be part of the mission of, of what this was is actually going well. I can look at all these different perspectives of history. Like what would be so cool is to look back on our lives. Like I would find value in in being able to read both of your recounts of this period of time. Mm. Yeah. Because we all we all see it whilst we all feel like we're a part of it, we'd be able to see it from this unique perspective. Yeah. yeah. It'd be completely you know? different. Or even more like, you know, not to get too political and I don't I don't mean to make this political, but imagine <laughs> imagine being able to read an account of what's happening in Ukraine right now from the perspective of someone who is in Russia and someone who, who is in Ukraine. Mm. Mm. And to be able to, because contextually, we, you know, every, all the information we get is just from the media. Mm. And so it's really hard to actually siphon through what's fact and fiction and what's being blown out of proportion and, and what all of the different narratives and stories that are being told around that. But mm. to actually, I think one of the only ways for us to get true authentic information is to gain it from real human experiences. Mm. And so to, you know, to read something like that in many years' time, you know, like, would be so interesting. Um, I feel like the most simple form is someone's journal, right? Yeah. But not a lot of people have the desire to, to be so inclined to write yeah. a journal, you know? And, and even when you're in your own life, you're thinking, oh, who's going to read this? You know, mm. you know who's, no one's really interested in what I did today or the struggles I faced, but it might be so important to the future generations of your family mm. okay you're on it here here it is okay yeah. it's it's a it's a it's a digital software mm. so you can go online and it's called your digital journal mm. and so you open one up and it's and basically every day you're encouraged to write a journal entry and you can add photos um that you want to as well or little illustrations whatever it is and you don't have to do every day but you know every sort of couple of days that you remember um, I, I have an app right now called one second a day and it's like I capture one second of video or a photo every day and then at the end of the year I can look back at my entire year I miss a day here and there I miss a couple of days but I go and backfill things but imagine if you, you were able to have that journal practice for your entire life and then when you get towards the end you can go collate <laughs> and it collates it into a book yeah and it has some form. I do still like the idea of it being curated, though. Yeah. I think that really piqued my interest to be able to have writers onboarded and yeah. people who... Or storytellers onboarded to help someone weave something out of it as well. Like, and that could be in whatever way they wanted it to be. It wouldn't have to be a super artsy book or a novel or anything like that. Like, it could be just... Um, it it could be just facts and mm. you, you know like Unbiased. really clean, yeah really clean and stuff but I, I i did like the idea of it being the the individual being helped and the piece being curated well i think what would be awesome mm. is if you had two if you had two versions 
So yeah. there's the ability, because I think the biggest one is the ease of use, right? So this ability that someone could just add something in every day for their entire life and then, or a period of their life and then export it. And it's very easy and it's simple. But then there's always, then there's another way where they can get to that endpoint and they can ask someone to come back and work with them to collate it and to, curate it. To make it digestible. Yeah, to make it mm-hmm. digestible and you you know, like you and, and release it as a book. You know? My great grandmother, so my mother's mother's mother, um, I remember her when I was young still. She's passed, but she has a journal and my mum has read it recently and I think talking about this today makes me really want to read that journal. You should definitely yeah. read it. Yeah. 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 Do you ever go back, or do, do either of you hold journals? No. Vaguely, in a weird way. Mm. Yeah. See, I won't get into the specifics. But. Yeah. <laughs> well, see, one of the things that I'm like so grateful that I've done is like when I set off on my journey to leave Australia and go study overseas, I got my first journal. My mum gave it mm. to me before I left, and ever since then I've journaled throughout my like, just like. I try and journal every day and sometimes it's across different books. Sometimes it's ideas. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's like me trying to work through my own inner emotions or document what's happening or mm-hmm. say what I'm grateful for, but or like doodle in it. But now I have like, like probably close to 20 books <laughs> that I can go back and they represent a period of my life. Mm-hmm. Like I can open it up and I can go back to exactly how Zed was feeling at that point in time and what he was going through and what he was thinking and what he was doing. Like mm-hmm. there's something so, and, and then to be able to look at it from a perspective of growth and go, wow, I remember that moment and I can see where I've, how I've changed and how I've grown and I can remember people in my life and how I was thinking about them and thinking about myself in relationship to them too. Mm-hmm. It is, it's, uh, yeah, it's something like talk about valuable things it's like that's something that I would be absolutely gutted to lose mm. I hate to lose those you should digitise them just in case yeah but that's a how like, what does that look like you know? scan them all can you imagine how long that would take go to a copy place I don't know yeah it's just like but then it's also like what's the there's something about the physical things yeah there's something about like this one of one Mm. that it's taken and it's a period of time that it's taken to create mm. you know if we're talking about nfts we're tying this back into web3 it's like that's what's significant so i don't want a replicated thing i want something that's got significance mm. something that means something that i'd actually like that i want to invest in that i want to hold and i know that time and energy and effort and love and creativity has gone into create you know and i think that's when we're talking about like quality that's mm. what quality is quality is where some a unique thought has gone into something, a unique perspective mm. or a unique process has birthed something. And that's what I think I would love to buy into. That's the kind of art you want to see. Not just something that's like thrown together or something that uh, I guess is just like another cookie cutter approach, but something that holds very deliberate and conscious thought to articulate something. Mm. So if we're moonshotting, if, we, if we're bringing that back and we're looking to wrap this up, because I feel like we've, we've jumped around from the arts industry, tokenized communities, to butter, to books. <laughs> yeah. When we bring it down, I think what it comes down to is this idea that what art does is it documents our lives. It builds community around our stories and our experiences, and it gives us, gives an audience those experiences. Mm. So really fundamentally, what we have to look at is how does Web3 technology allow us and empower us to do that better? Mm. to get more people involved in creating and sharing experiences and connecting through experiences 
And how does it build infrastructure to incentivize us all to be more experience focused and support the arts and culture communities around us? Mm. In a way, this podcast is going to be something we will look back on. Facts. Yeah. It's like an auditory journal. Yeah. Right? It's like why, yeah, it's like why we, like, in the future, in like 40 years, 50 years' time, we can catch up and we can listen to this and we can remember back wild. to who we were. That is wild. That is wild. Crazy. That was a really nice roundabout of skipping stones. Mm. Great roundabout <laughs> of skipping stones here on the Crash Creative Podcast. We've the potential got, of the sky. We've got the sky full of potential. School of potential. Oh. We've got schools of potential. We've got butter. We have all bread. the things. We've we have got bread. bread and butter machines. And if you want to come back and you want to hear about the other machines that we're making and the other things we're putting in the sky, then you're going to want to listen next week. Yeah. And until then, Bye. have a Bye. beautiful week. Have Bye. a beautiful day. Have a beautiful uh, evening. Uh, have a beautiful uh, moment. And we will see you at the next episode. Bye. 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 Bye.